Until lately, the best thing that I was able to think of in favor of civilization, apart from blind acceptance of the order of the universe, was that it made possible the artist, the poet, the philosopher, and the man of science. But I think that is not the greatest thing. Now I believe that the greatest thing is a matter that comes directly home to us all. When it is said that we are too much occupied with the means of living to live, I answer that the chief worth of civilization is just that it makes the means of living more complex, that it calls for great and combined intellectual efforts instead of simple, uncoordinated ones in order that the crowd may be fed and clothed and housed and moved from place to place. Because more complex and intense intellectual efforts mean a fuller and richer life. They mean more life. Life is an end in itself and the only question as to whether it is worth living is whether you have enough of it. I will add but a word. We are all very near despair. The sheeting that floats us over its waves is compounded of hope, faith in the unexplainable worth and sure issue of effort and the deep subconscious content which comes from the exercise of our powers. There is wistful myth that if only we had enough money to spend, the figure is usually put at a hundred billion euros, we could wipe out all of our slums in 10 years, reverse decay in the great dull gray belts that were yesterday's and day before yesterday's suburbs, anchor the wandering middle class and its wandering tax money, and perhaps even solve the traffic problem. But look what we have built with the first several billions low-income projects that become worse centers of delinquency, vandalism and general social hopelessness than the slums they were supposed to replace. Middle-income housing projects, which are truly marvels of dullness and regimentation, sealed against any buoyancy or vitality of city life. Luxury housing projects that mitigate their inanity or try to with a vapid vulgarity cultural centers that are unable to support a good bookstore, civic centers that are avoided by everyone but bums who have fewer choices of loitering place than others, commercial centers that are lackluster imitation of standardized suburban chain store shopping, promenades that go from no place to nowhere and have no promenaders, expressways that eviscerate great cities this is not the rebuilding of cities, this is the sacking of cities. Under the surface, these accomplishments prove even poorer than their poor pretenses. They seldom aid the city areas around them, as in theory they are supposed to. These amputated areas typically develop galloping gangrene. To house people in this planned fashion, Price tags are fastened on the population and each sorted out chunk of price tag populace lives in growing suspicion and tension against the surrounding city. When two or much such hostile islands are juxtaposed, the result 
is called a balanced neighborhood. Monopolistic shopping centers and monumental cultural centers cloak under the public relations hee-haw. The subtraction of commerce and of culture too from the intimate and casual life of cities. That such wonders may be accomplished, people who get marked with the planner's exines are pushed about, expropriated and uprooted much as if they were the subjects of a conquering power. Thousands upon thousands of small businesses are destroyed and their proprietors ruined with hardly a gesture at compensation. Whole communities are torn apart and sown to the winds with a reaping of cynicism, resentment and despair that must be heard and seen to be believed. A group of clergymen, appalled at the fruits of planned city rebuilding, asked, could Job have been thinking of our cities when he wrote, here are men that alter their neighbor's landmark, shoulder the poor aside, conspire to oppress the friendless, reap they the field that is none of theirs, strip they the vineyard wrongfully seized from its owner. A cry goes up from the city streets where wounded men lie groaning, 